Welcome back to On The Table Gaming. And this week for our Visions of the Flame, we've been treated by a special article from Fabio Curry, the lead game developer for A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game, in which they explore the changes coming to non-combat units for A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game. So today we're joined by Fabio Curry, the author of said article, and of course, uh, Simon game designer, Michael Chanel. Thank you guys for coming to the podcast once again. Hey guys, uh, great to be here again. Good to see you as usual, Chase. Everyone's like, what was going to be the next article? What was going to be the next article? And then lo and behold, you hit us with this, this non-combat unit article. And uh, you had a, kind of an interesting start to it there, Fabio, with some uh, references and things that you actually even had said in the beginning of other episodes. You talked about leaving no card unturned and how you really wanted to get in the nooks and crannies of, uh, to uh, leave nothing unchecked. So you've kind of been like hinting at this article, maybe in some other ways, even leading up to this. I was just playing with, with the words. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> we always I, love I, it. Like, <laughs> wow, they're letting me write something. <laughs> That's what I can do. I was trying to look for other clues. I was like, it's just like, help me. I need to be freed from the farm or whatever, whatever that was. Um, Fabio version six is, is here and he's not in any farm. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get into this, though. So you have some really interesting changes here to NCUs. So we, we see now there's a change to non-combat units in general in regards to the point cost. So what's really going on here? Many of the changes we did, we wanted to de-escalate a little bit. Um, everything that kind of um, had, for example, spike damage, you know, and so on. And increasing the NCU points cost kind of made that consistent throughout because once everything was reduced and a cheaper three-point NCUs were already being picked just because of the point cost, we felt that now they would be even more, um, I guess, reliable in a sense. So we decided like that's something that we did not want in the game, that it was kind of delaying our progress, right? We, we wanted to make the game still interesting and with options and actually the the existence of these three-point ncus reduced our options right because um, they were just polarizing and pulling players in right and and what made them so appealing what was it the the value that they brought that maybe made a three-point ncu so attractive even if maybe the ability wasn't you know incredibly powerful and people always like a good value, and when it came to the three-point NCUs, it's often been said that you could have it have no effect or even a negative effect, and just based on being an activation and the strength of the tactics board, that effect would be taken. And that is something that, you know, uh, was becoming more and more true and recognized as the game went on, and so we finally decided to just address it there and do a points rebalance, and, you know, this kind of goes in with a general philosophy when we were looking at units, attachments, and NCUs, and this is actually a whole other topic that we will get into in the coming weeks. Um, but basically, there's the divide between the three types of uh, assets, let's say, we have in the game of attachments, NCUs, and then combat units. And basically, there, there should be that points range that each of those kind of fits into. And NCUs on the three-point scale were kind of dipping a little low for just what they brought to the table. So that was uh, one of the reasons we decided to look at the uh, when we were doing our you know balancing passes and everything. We evaluate all those and saw that basically three point NCUs were usually the best value of anything you could get in the game. Uh, as we've said, you could have them with no effect and they would still be taken. But yet all of them, of course, had an effect. So that just pushed their value even further. So rather than balancing around them being that cheap, 
because we really felt that at that point they would have to have some kind of negative or something like that. We just increased the brackets in which their points kind of sat uh, from that three to five range being the top to shifting that up a little bit to the uh, four to six range. So should people be afraid if they've got like a favorite three point NCU that like maybe uh, they just love the ability or the theme or should they be have any fears about them now no longer being powerful or cool or, or anything like that with these changes? Uh, well, they will usually be more powerful and uh, just as cool. We try to keep the flavor and most of them just received some tweaks when necessary. Some of them actually felt fine at four points, just with, without changes. It really is a case-by-case situation, but I believe players shouldn't be worried at all. And the only thing that will actually change is that most times they'll end up having to have two NCUs rather than trying to always stress three NCUs if that is the case, right, uh, for certain players. Each one of those options, you know, two NCUs, three NCUs, one NCU, four NCUs, those are all, well, four and one are kind of the extremes, but <laughs> uh, those are all, you know, options that a player can, you know, look at doing. There were some cases where, you know, three-point NCUs just got boosted to four points, and with the grand scope of the other changes, because, again, it's really hard to talk about any of these in a single vacuum, because tactics cards, units, uh, numbers, everything has been tweaked. So, you know, sometimes an effect just warranted an increase to four points. Sometimes an effect might warrant an increase to five points, and then sometimes things got tweaked in there. It's it's a case-by-case thing, and there's no universal blanket answer for any of it, because it has to be taken as a whole to how it affects the overall game state, not just this one old version versus the new version. Especially uh, in the case of the NCUs, because they're each unique, and they're very important to the game so since there's no overlap it's very hard for um, them to have just an individual assessment of old versus new they kind of needed to be reassessed as an entire group of things right because they uh, mingle with each other and units in this very unique fashion so with the idea that the ncus are changing here we're having an increase in points to to the base level of our three point ones but they're maybe gaining power they're they're getting compensated in some sort of way one of the things that you mentioned people being really interested in taking these NCUs for was for that free activation. And if we're talking about free activations, nowhere is that more seen than in the uh, current you know, 1.6 rules, the NCU commanders. So it seems like you're deciding to go in a really interesting way with the NCU commanders in that there are no NCU commanders moving them all to attachment versions. So, you know, what was that decision like? Was that was that a kind of a hard decision to come to, to be like, hey, you know, we've got this cool thing, but for the sake of the game, like, we want to move in a different direction? Um, interestingly enough, that was something that was starting to become an issue, that it was hindering us in everything we wanted to do, such as game modes and and just other abilities and effects. And a lot of times we wanted to focus on the commander, but it was an NCU commander, and... Once again, that was hindering progress, right? So that was a decision that we, it was heartfelt and we really were thinking about it and how do we kind of fix this this situation where the, the NCU commander is bringing so much to the table and actually someone pretty close to us suggested that we remove these and we were like, huh, why not? Honestly, uh, why not remove all the NCU commanders? We'll just, um, it's not that simple, but we can make attachment cards for them 
and see where it fits for them to have still their NCU version. It was always an interesting part of the game too. I, I do remember uh, someone showing up for like a, a learning game where we started to play and the, the list they had brought really didn't feel uh, the best tune for a game mode that maybe kind of favored an NCU commander or something like that. Uh, so in a weird way, this kind of also brings the game all in alignment with the other parts, like your game modes that already exist. Um, so kind of actually maybe in a weird way makes it more cohesive as a whole. That was one of the efforts as well. So you're seeing a lot with the, the 2021 game modes, you know, and the importance of a commander. And you saw this in the previous uh, upwards of 1.5 when we started introducing those mechanics there. We want the commanders to be an integral part of the battlefield. And that's been since the design of when the game came out. Who you choose as your commander should always be a vital option to how you go about building your list. It's going to define your strategy, your tactics, your play style. And you know, that's an important thing that you're choosing. It's influencing your tactics deck. You're having you know, what is your commander bringing to the table? When you have to split those amongst two different types of units, such as like attachments and NCUs, then that case, when it came to like the game modes, you were having the option to where you're either going to have to write around the fact that your commanders could be of these two different unit types, aka attachments or NCUs, or you were going to have to give players the, I'm using air quotes here, option of not playing with that mechanic in the uh, the game mode. Such as, like, okay, your field commander is going to give you some kind of benefits. If I take an NCU commander, I'm trading the benefits of an NCU commander for those um, options I'm potentially getting in the game mode. Well, so that, while a, as a mechanic can work, it's creating a level of kind of disparity that we didn't really like seeing in the game. Because um, you should be able to take what you want and then, you know, play a game mode. And yes, your list might suffer or be better at certain game modes than others, but they should be around the same kind of like ballpark area. Well, when you're having to design game modes around the facet that you have a core mechanic of the game that can be these two different, uh, different, not even styles, but different mechanics compounded on top of each other, it someone it means that someone's losing out in the end. And it was just while you can you can argue that like yes, that's a player choice, like you know, okay, I'm choosing to run NCU commander, so I'm forfeiting all these for the powers that NCU is giving me. That was not a kind of choice that we really felt that we wanted people to really make. Like it's, you can get people to make choices for the sake of choices, and you can have like, well, this is obviously a bad decision, so don't do that and do this. But rather than just allowing those in there, we decided to just streamline this further and then be able to further basically push things in the direction we wanted, and therefore we could expand out that way as well. Because as you've seen, like the new game modes, there's tons of different cool stuff that your commander does, and most of that is only available because we have a parameter and a limitation to what a commander can actually be on the battlefield. If it was an NCU option out there, then some of those cool effects just couldn't work because you would always have that kind of looming shadow of, well, what if they're an NCU? What if, you know, you're having to compensate for more stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. It's also kind of funny because I feel like, you know, there's got to be a commander on the battlefield somewhere. Like, who, who's in charge of these troops sitting back in their castle, sipping their wine, writing letters? Everyone else is not getting killed in the battlefield. I mean, in the end, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire is based around the characters and you know you want to have these iconic characters that everyone is familiar with and so more of an excuse to have them out on the battlefield killing each other you know that's another push in that direction <laughs> let's talk let's talk about the the ncu that you guys have here for roos bolton so he's roos bolton calculating and cruel kind of re he's replacing the uh the old ncu commander 
Lord of the Dread Fort. And it seems like a lot of his abilities are uh, somewhat similar. You can see like the echoes of the old NCU commander in here. So that was probably pretty deliberate. Yeah, definitely. It was very deliberate. And um, once again, we changed him a little bit so he would fit in with the entire neutral faction and also as a neutral NCU as a whole while not necessarily having to be the commander, right? So he's not as um, defining to your army as if he were a commander, um, just because of tactics cards. And once again, now he does not grant you a free activation since he's a, a point-costed NCU. And um, the effect is pretty similar, um, I'd say, in the end result, although it works um, differently. I love how, though, I feel like if I look at these two cards, I can see, like, the real expression and design of the 2021 update, like, so clearly, right? So instead of him just panicking two enemy units as a zone replacement effect, now he starts with three order tokens, and when he activates, you can remove one of those to make an enemy combat unit panicked, and then when he claims a zone, he can replace the zone's effect with one enemy combat unit, suffers one panic test. So it's kind of like spreading out his ability a bit, but doing it in a way that's going to make for some interesting choices here. You can kind of play this into a, a minor example of something that we said in some of the earlier articles, which was, you know, everything has a cost, less free stuff. And here, you know, you're taking it into you because of the, the intrinsic things they give you to the tactics board. But instead of just being something continuously free that he's giving you, such as the old version, which was just panicking, you know, putting out panic tokens left and right. Now it's a resource that you have to manage. And that's, you know, another element of the whole everything has a cost thing. That didn't just mean like a bunch of free actions and everything is going away. I mean, it kind of did mean a lot of that. It also means that, you know, more about how you manage your resources and how you manage everything that you have, you know, comes into play more. And resources are anything from the order tokens on this NCU to your NCU's activations to combat units to tactics cards, you know, such as like the tactics hand limitation as well. You know, all these little micro things that are just making you have to giving you these additional little tactical options and choices throughout the game. That was one of the other big pushes that we were doing when we were doing our revamps. And Roose Bolton also now has an attachment form. Uh, well, he always had an attachment form, but now he's got a commander attachment form and uh, affiliation house Bolton. So that's kind of the same thing as innate ability. And now he's got, instead of prey on fear, he's got spread fear as an order, which allows him when an enemy engaged fails a panic test to target another enemy at long range and make them suffer a panic test with a minus one to the roll for each remaining rank in this unit. So he kind of has that new rank play uh, built in. And on a failure, they suffer an additional wound on their failed test. So he can still spread that fear. And especially now, he's got that intimidating presence. Like when he comes out on the battlefield, people know it. And enemies engaged with his unit are going to suffer negative one to morale tests and plus one wound for failing panic tests. So it's going to keep that kind of panic mechanic going strong in the, in the neutral forces, it looks like. So this is kind of a really interesting interpretation of him being a, a battlefield commander. So are there any elements built in here that kind of speak to design and the way you want to take commanders? Now, like, why did you choose to show him as your example for this article? Um, well, one thing that's really cool is that now um, him being only uh, an attachment commander and having no point-costed attachment version, if Ruse is in a Bolton army or any army, um, Ramsey should never be the commander. That would never work. And mm. this is uh, an added fluff effect that we had, which was great, and I really enjoyed. I also think that we, we wanted to show Roos, um, because, first of all, we wanted to show a neutral 
situation in where this happened and because it affects a lot of factions as as well as i think to show uh, sort of i think Bruce is a good example of how the old ncus are becoming the new ones and how this is going to and which pattern we're following, right? He's good to set a pattern to show what kind of changes we intended with these NCU commanders. Yeah, he seems pretty powerful. He's got some good abilities on here while still keeping his flavor. Speaking on to like his actual abilities, one thing that I really like that he highlights is specifically the interactions with him and Panic. So the Boltons are a Panic-based army. You'll see that throughout Roos's tactics cards and Ramsey's tactics cards. But how they incorporate that into their play style can really be seen here of just Roos's attachment. So, you know, what there was a, you know, people have vocalized their concerns about like the panic being reduced down to a D3, which, as we've mentioned before, like all damage in the game kind of got toned back a little bit. So that shouldn't have come as a real big surprise. I mean, you know, the D3 plus one, it also just streamlines it. But this also allowed us to play around with the panic mechanics more to where you'll have units that interact with them in various ways. And Roos here is a good example of both of these abilities that we have. So you have Intimidating Presence, which is a straight-up buff to panic damage and morale tests when he's engaged with someone. But then you also have this Spread Fear effect, which incorporates more of the rank play that we had uh, talked about previously as well. And then also, as you see, you know, uh, further modifies panic tests. And it does a little bit extra damage here as well. But so it was that... Uh, are going to be incorporated not just here at Panic, but across the game, you know, when you see, like, other little sub-strategies that pop up. We also see now in Howland Reed, he actually gets a, a new form, so he's still got his, his NCU commander form, basically becomes his new NCU, costs it at five points, and Hunter's Guile still exists, but now it adds, not only adding that negative one to hit, but it also makes it so that when an enemy unit is moving through terrain, all that terrain counts as having hindering and rough keywords. So it gets a little bit of a boost there, too, in the way we're seeing maybe the NCUs get, you know, everything tuned up a little bit to count as their their uh, to counterbalance their their price increase. Um, yeah, um, in this case, he didn't have a price, but we decided okay. that he was somewhere between four and five. And um, because of the spread of point costs in NCUs, we decided to give him an added effect and make him definitely a five point NCU. I think he's in a very sweet spot. He's still very similar, or actually just straight better than his previous version as a commander NCU. What's cool about this then is like if you're, if you're taking kind of a themed army too, he's the NCU you want to take and you'd be like fighting from the terrain and like using the terrain to advantage. It feels very like Howlin' Reed. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we, since we can add extra abilities, we try to make them as flavorful as possible. Like in this case, we could add something um, it should be inside this character's flavor. I mean, Howlin' Reed is the boogeyman of the North, so, you know, of all the characters that deserved to be a big, scary NCU, it's him. And, uh, you know, I didn't mention this with uh, Roos Bolton, but he's got a different tactics card listed on his commander side. Howlin' Reed, he now became a attachment form that was never existed before, because, like, a whole thing created from scratch, dragged his tactics cards with him, they came along for the ride. Was it kind of fun getting to make a, a new character that maybe not a new character, but a new old character, like a new form of that new iteration. I'd say some characters were more challenging than others, um, but they were all fun for sure. And in the case of Howland Reed, if, and in most cases, actually, it was how do we adapt his um, NCU version into a battlefield commander where, where he still keeps 
his fluff um, and basically his play style, right? And well, I think disrupt really is the obvious choice here, which we gave him. But at the same time, just disrupt wouldn't make be fair with Howland Reed attachment. So we gave him superior flanking as well. And I think that actually really fits. And although he currently has not been seen in the books, he has known to uh, take the battlefield, right? So this is one that I'm really happy with. And I think that was fun to make. Actually, it brings up a good point there is so there was situations where, you know, transitioning a commander from an NCU to a attachment did have some interactions with the tactics cards because actually Roos is a good example. You mentioned that one of his cards did change uh, and tactics cards, you know, received a, uh, a pass as well on everything. And a lot of them got, you know, toned down or changed or whatnot. But some of them in these cases, such as like with Howland or sorry, with Roos here, um, they did get had to be reworked because his previous tactics cards were reliant on the effects that his NCU was bringing to the table. And now that that was not the case, now that he was an attachment in a very specific unit, sometimes tactics cards had to be the reworked. Uh, Roos is a good example of that, which um, I won't get into too much about because we don't want to make this just the complete Roos show here. But uh, <laughs> some rather the neutral players are like, yeah. <laughs> Well, like you can look at his old tactics cards and they played very heavily off of the consumption of panic tokens. And that was because his NCU had that effect built in. But now his commander version, it doesn't have any effect that is going to generate panic tokens on its own. So therefore he would have a bunch of cards, but he would have no resources mm. to actually you know, create them. So therefore they had to be reevaluated. Oh, that makes sense. So do you think we're going to see a lot of changes like this, like uh, across the commanders that people have come to know? Or is this mostly you're going to see like with NCU commanders having that change? All cards have been looked at, right? Let's start with that. Okay. And um, so since all cards are being changed, there was no uh, discretion between commander tactics cards and just basic tactics cards. Uh, we we changed everything we deemed necessary. Okay, so it's all on a case by case basis. Yeah, no card unturned. <laughs> trying to get to see if we can see any sweeping platitudes or statements or insight here, but no, I right. just um, I mentioned Ruse specifically because I think that is one of the the ones that had the more extreme cases of changes because of the mechanics just fell apart there in that case, and it required a change. You know, that's different than say I don't know, Great John Umber where, you know, a scaling back of wounds or something like that might require numbers to be changed, but mechanically there's nothing wrong like or with any of his cards when compared to like the direction we want to move things. But like in Roos's case, that transition from NCU to Commander shifted what he had access to, and we basically again, you took away his fuel source. So, you had to rework his engine what he was doing, otherwise it just wouldn't work. So there's some cases like that happen, and that's, again, primarily from NCU commanders switching over. But yeah, that's primarily something that would ha take place more of NCU commanders rather than just the standard attachment commanders. So is, is every so every non-combat unit, like, there are no more at all. So, like, Daenerys, the Queen of Marine, she will be an attachment, attachment form? Oh, okay, all right. Just trying to see if there's any exceptions to that rule. Well, that's exciting. Man, I'm excited to see where these, these all shape up. I mean, some of those old standbys people have been playing since, like, you know, you first got that Kickstarter. You got your High Sparrow. So that's going to be – that's a, this is actually going to be really interesting to see. I feel like there's a lot – so much to unpack here. And so many units that, you know, they're going to have some new toys to try. Like, there's going to be a lot of additional options for people to kind of work through. 
man, um, definitely. The hype is real. <laughs> I'd say we kept this um, change to show um, later in the process of all the visions in the flames because this is a change that if you showed out of context or if this was the first visions, I think it would send the wrong message um, mm -hmm. to players. It, we're not overhauling things, but this NCU. Um, situation was something that we didn't really even view as a problem until we started changing everything and we got to them and we were like oh okay this needs to be uh, relooked as well and i guess that now in context these changes seem um, reasonable yeah that makes sense so i will say like the shift you know taking the ncu commanders out that is one of the largest ones that we could say i mean you know, you don't. If you know the game, then you know that that single like sentence right there is indicative of a large change. But you know, that was what we were doing with the uh, Courtney Penrose, Axel Florent. <laughs> but you know, that that was something that we were doing with this full pass and everything. You know, again, we'd left nothing you know unturned here. Uh, we wanted to push every facet of the game in the best direction it could, and you know, we made the decisions to you know when we saw that they were necessary for that. You know, and we didn't hold anything back. This was literally our time to go like, okay, if there's something that we didn't like how it was functioning or we felt that something needed addressing, we address it. That makes sense. And I think, you know, now we're what, six articles in and it's been really cool to see the layers peeled back like an onion. And uh, I'm excited to see what's kind of up next in these embers. How how strong are these fires burning still? Is this fire, are these visions, have we been staring in the flame a while? Our eyes are watery. We're anticipate the anticipation is high. Is this just like a few coals left we're poking? Uh, don't get too attached. Don't get too attached. Okay, we won't get too attached. Um, so, so thank you so much for coming on here, and and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to kind of walk us through and and talk in more depth about these changes. We're excited to see uh, what's in the in the future here, but things are looking pretty good here. So thank you so much for your time as always. Yeah, things are definitely looking good and I'm glad to be here again and I hope to be here <laughs> more often. Yeah, Chase, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Until next time, folks, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. Mm -hmm.